Gavin. Hey, Louie. You are wearing my favorite color, girly. I'm oh. wearing you. Oh my God. No wonder I was so like, <laughs> this shirt is working on me for some reason. But there I am. There's your face. And there you are down there also. Yeah, I'm not going to stand up. I'm not okay. Gonna... <laughs> Don't make me sing. Don't yeah, exactly. make me it, sing. From, from shoulders to, uh, to, to chest area, I look like a kind of not fat person it's everything below it's the so y- <laughs> your preferred part of your right, uh, right. you're your upper third girl i'm bo- okay. i'm a bowling pin shaped i think it's the bowling <laughs> pin shape okay yeah. juicy booty <laughs> star booty um, <laughs> hi everyone welcome to the mixed reviews we are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor director or a mini genre we take two weeks we cram in as much as we can info movies interviews and then we regurgitate it all back to you and yeah we have a good time we have, we have a good, good time. time okay oh, and we tell you what we like and we don't like those are the yeah, things we, we do do that too don't forget yeah. the reviews are mixed that is the name of the game um we took a little extra time off for this episode because um we were, we were in recovery yes we were in recovery from i was moving gavin and i were uh hosting a film festival if you are a patreon subscriber or patron or whatever the fuck we call them um you got our bonus episode about the film festival um and uh yeah but here we are back which back, reminds back me by the way a part of our patreon if you become an all-star tier subscriber we are to give a shout out to you on the show so i do want to take a moment and thank todd fretch who has become one of our all-star subscribers thank you so much todd we're very happy to have you if you have any suggestions about extra content that you want us to put out there let us know because yeah. now you have access to the Discord, too, if you want to join the Discord. and yeah, But yeah, thank you so much. I was thinking, and me and Gavin have not talked about this off-air. I'm going rogue right now. Oh, um, shit. I know. Um, but we did talk a little bit on our bonus episode about playing a little bit of some reindeer games um, with our Patreon girlies. Um, and so maybe we should do like a little holiday moment with the girls online playing some nonsense who knows um could be fun um but also this gives you guys some time to perhaps join us on the patreon um so for the holiday season we can get together via the internet and play games well louis i want you to know my snap reaction is i don't like that i love i love it i love it i love it Wow. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I would be all down for that. You know me. You know me. Yeah. I could free up some time in my very busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> you're 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 booked and blessed, honey. <laughs> yeah. What's the opposite of that? <laughs> um, not booked, not blessed. I'm cursed. And cursed. So, so um free and cursed. <laughs> Available uh, and cursed. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's me currently uh while we're still in the old business section before we even get into talking about movies i did want to take this is the weirdest fucking segue in the world but i'm gonna i'm gonna do it gonna get serious for a moment uh you since our last episode it's been almost three weeks there was a shooting at club q and if you're asking why are they talking about that that's old news that's the problem uh ever since then there's been Armed fascists who you know shot up electric uh, transformers to keep a drag show from happening. Protests outside drag shows by armed men. These are a scary time. I know you come here for movies, but listen. When hours before that shooting happened on the on the day of Trans Remembrance, Louis and I were on stage at the Bowery Electric. We were introducing the film festival and we were talking about our show. And Louis said. 
our show is very gay and some sweet person in the audience shouted out like and we love you for it yeah i don't know if you caught that when that happened yeah but i just it it was so nice to feel comfortable and welcome in a space where we could be ourselves and that's happening less and less and we live in a really scary time and i know people of color women queer folks trans folks non-binary folks uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, two-spirit. We've we felt this way for a really long time. Things are not looking great right now. So what I just need to say is like we are recommitting this show. It's going to be queerer than ever. I just want to I just want to put that out there. Louis and I recently had a conversation about that when we were starting the Patreon, and Louis was like, one of the things that makes our show special and unique is that it's queer. We're it's very gay. We can't help it. And I I love that fact. But also what I'm going to need to do is if you're a straight person in this audience, if you if we do have any straight listeners. Hi. Hi, girls. We need you to speak up as well, too. We need your allyship. We need you out there saying things and and doing things to make sure, you know, this stuff doesn't happen. One of our listeners actually after the Club Q shooting, I posted a thing about how some very similar about how we need allies to speak up one of our listeners. And I don't want to say her name because I don't want to put her on the spot, like messaged me and said, you know what, this actually means a lot to me because I've been trying to think of ways that I could speak out as a straight woman. And she reposted that. And then she messaged me later to be like, hey, listen, I put this up and people I know in my community who I haven't really felt connected with wrote to me and been like, I feel this way too. Like, how can I help? That right. means so much. And we yep. need that. We need your rallying and your support. And that's, I, I don't know if I have a, a bigger point than just to say like, this show is, is queer and it's going to be here, but w- we need you as well. We need, you know, your help. Right. right. That's, that's all. I, I don't know. I've been very emotional today and these past three weeks about it. And, and like, it's, awful it's awful what's happening right now and i know this is mostly not anything new but it feels more frequent and therefore scarier and yeah i'm i am a little scared but i'm also mad and i i need you know we need your support by the way same listener sent us a uh, halloween card this year i do want (laughs) to say thank you for that so if you're listening we know we know you know who you are and thank you for that your kids are adorable Right. Um, I posted about this after the shooting happened. I, I'd been to Club Q before. I used to live in Colorado Springs. Um, and I texted, you know, my then boyfriend. We had gone together to see some a show. And I was just like, this is very bizarre. You know, obviously, it's 10 years after the fact, whatever. But like, that was a, a safe space for us to go and have fun. So I know... I know, especially in that town and, and what in small towns, like what it's like to like have those spaces and how important they are. And so, yeah, that's really fucking scary. And um, yeah, I'm thinking about how we have now done <laughs> probably more shows where like these things have happened like right before or right around and it's like really emotional and heavy. <clears throat> um, but yeah, just to kind of redouble down on what Gavin said, you know, we want like like Club Q and all those spaces are for queer people like this is a space for you guys as well. Um, and we're not going to shut up about it. So um, in solidarity and all those good things, thank you guys for being here. Um, and let's keep having fun. Absolutely. You know? 
I, n- I know it's hard to transition out of that. I know I kind of sprung that on you, but it's it's just been ruminating on me. I didn't plan to say anything. I didn't, you know, I but I was just like, these are things we do need to address because, you know, like you like you said, it, it meant a lot to me when we were having that conversation. You were like, and the our show's queer as hell. And it's like, yeah, and the, as it should be. And like, hopefully people come to this place come they, they come to this place <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nicole kidman in a theater yes. i want people to stand up and clap when they hear our podcast mm-hmm. because they feel welcomed and stand and deliver honey absolutely uh but yeah thank you so much for listening uh before we also get we have one last old business before we get to our poll from last week we have a couple new reviews and as i've said many times before if you leave us a five-star review on apple we will read it on the show so do you want to read that first one louie Sure. This is uh, it says essential podcast for queer film lovers. The amount of work Gavin and Louis put into each episode is truly amazing, but they don't make it sound like research. It's always a fun time at the mixed reviews. More importantly, the queer perspective is what makes this podcast extra special. Love you guys. Um, that's from Candy Mulligan in the U.S. of A. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. So, exactly. Th- yes. I think that's what sort of inspired me to want to talk about it too was like yeah that's what we're doing here you know that's the perspective we can put on things that's different than every other yeah. film bro and that's the other thing i saw this week i saw a lot of a lot of film bros out in full force mm-hmm. mad about the sight and sound poll not that you guys come here for the sight and sound poll but like oh god yeah they let women in they let black people make movies and it's like yeah guys welcome to the 21st fucking century imagine being more boring imagine oh god um Our next review says, quite simply a joy. I'm so thrilled to discover the Mixed Reviews podcast. I love Gavin and Louie's insightful takes, and they make me laugh. Garbage has now entered the family (laughs) vernacular. I also really appreciate your family. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I also really appreciate the deep dive on some of my favorite actresses, Kirsten Dunst, Parker Posey, Juliette Lewis, and Joan Cusack, to name a few. Can't wait to hear what comes next. And that's Lauren from australia lauren excellent taste those girlies you plucked out yeah mm, and i love that very it's good it's from all over it's not like she... kirsten dunn's literally my our first episode yeah and then like <laughs> juliet and joan who we did like maybe a this couple months year. ago yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much lauren i love hearing from our international listeners because i know they're out there and yes. but sometimes i'm like Oh yeah, we like people listen to the show. All of, <laughs> all of our tens of listeners. But. Um okay, the last thing we asked you guys to vote online um last about our last episode which was all about Lindsay Lohan, uh which was a super fun episode. We had the guys on from the Old Kids Movie Podcast. The Old Kids Movie Podcast. I was going to say the Grown Up Kids Movie Podcast. So I was like that's a mouthful. No. Uh, they're yes, not the, grown-ups. We determined no, that. My they're friend just old kids. <laughs> I will say um just between us girlies, my friend Tim was like there was a clear generation gap while listening to that episode and I was just like, well, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> They are blocked band cannot come back onto the show. <laughs> These we're, children. We're kidding. We, we love you guys, uh, both AJ and Trevor. Um, but they keep, I, they keep I, us young. They keep I us did, young. I did just hear the bell for recess. So if you guys oh, want to so make sure make you your catch way back that. To the classroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we asked you guys to vote online for your favorite Lindsay Lohan movie. And here are the results. Uh, we had 1% other. I don't know. Wh- someone, I guess, m- did mention... That they really enjoyed her in a Prairie Home Companion. Um, That's certainly other. That is other. Um, Freaky Friday came in third place with 11%. Parent Trap, which was my pick at 30%. And then Mean Girls at 58%. Um, Mean Girls is kind of just as, you know, the all-time banger. I 
going into that one, I was like, I'm going to pick Mean Girls. And I think it's probably the most generic, but also like, I don't know. I think it, it perfectly shows her range. And I think they're, you know. But hey, we have her back now, and maybe she'll be. Who knows? Maybe yeah, she'll be I, in PTAs next. Who knows? Oh my God, she uh, <laughs> she, she did uh, after our episode. She did premiere another movie. It's the Pilk commercial, um, <laughs> for, starring Pepsi and Milk. Um, her line readings of "naughty, nice, iconic work." Um, she's so, really, she's really getting that Meisner technique down. Yeah, it's yeah, very good of her. Yeah. Um, I will be having Pilk all Christmas season. Thank you for asking. Um, I will be um, also needing um, (laughs) Pepto-Bismol and all sorts of stomach um, enhancements to digest that. I think if, uh, I think if I had to drink a lot of pilk, there would be a lot of puke. I think that's Uh, the, (laughs) I wish there was a better word than pilk. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. Um, Apparently, there's a big history to Pilk, too. It, like, goes back to, like, Laverne and Shirley and possibly even before that. Like, mm. yeah. Mm. Pilk, All this ra- is what you came for. Yeah, baby. Um, but, okay, thank you, Lindsay Lohan. Good luck in the future. Um, Gavin, we asked our Patreon girlies to decide our next episode, today's episode. And the results came in. And the results were clear. It is Mr. Don Cheadle. That's who we're here to talk about. This is our first Patreon voted on um, subject. And they picked a good one. Absolutely. Now, they were up against Hugh Jackman. So if you were sad that Hugh Jackman lost, I'm sure he'll be coming back, singing and dancing down the line some later point in time. But we're going to talk about Don Cheadle. And also, you know, just as a quick ad for our Patreon, if you want voting power, if you want to be able to tell us what to do, Sign up for our Patreon, and you can vote on these things. We did get our our former guest, Kevin, who's in our Juliette Lewis episode, uh, reached out to me and said, I voted Don Cheadle, so you'll be forced to talk about Crash. Oh, God. (laughs) Kevin, how dare you? I feel like every time Crash comes up on the show, we kind of breeze by her. Yeah, yeah. We got got the Sandra, and we're like, no, thank you. Brendan, we're like, "Mm, no. Sure, yeah. Um, the good thing about Crash is that there's no main character. <laughs> so, like, we don't have to talk about a lot about exactly in Crash. He did produce um, it, though. <gasps> Donald? Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> Donald I think Cheadle. The reason we're, I think one of the reasons that we're doing Don Cheadle, uh, besides the fact that he does have a new movie coming out next month, White Noise, which premiered at New York Film Festival, I cut all the behind-the-scenes stuff at New York Film Festival for it, but unfortunately I did not get a chance to see the movie because I was so busy. But I will say, like, there was so much hype, so much buzz around it, he was there. But, uh... Yeah, he's just sort of eternally cool and charismatic, and it's it's such an incredibly talented actor. And, you know, we're going to get into it. I think there's been certain things that have sort of held him back, which is really unfortunate because I had a hard time finding a movie that I or performance that I didn't like. He really gives it his all. He really puts he puts his whole chessy cheetle into it no not not gonna happen the cheetle the cheetle <laughs> i don't like it gavin if we ha- if we had straight listeners they're gone now they're gone now <laughs> they they turned it off um yeah i think he's immensely talented very cool i was thinking about like how he is such a 
like he slips into easily being doing character work, but also he's very easily doing like just s- capital S star celebrity work where he's just yeah. like Don Ch- like we're jumping ahead, but like him in the Marvel movies is just Don Cheadle, like and it's right. fine, like because Don Cheadle is great. He's doing the Robert Downey Jr. He's just being famous and handsome and like yeah. you know. I have I have things to say about that. I have things to. Pop off, yeah. Pop so. off, honey. Um, but yeah, I, I Don Cheadle for me has always been one of the actors that's just kind of always been there. He's always kind of like it, in these big ensemble things where it's like, oh, Don Cheadle. It ha- it's only like recently, or maybe like in the past, you know, for me at least, where he's getting like these big, um, you know, starring roles. Um, so yeah, and, I think it'll be very interesting. And also, he's one of the few actors I think that you know seamless, seamlessly moved from tv to film and then also mm-hmm. back and forth between yes. tv and film without it being you know a, a big deal or anything so much so that i feel like the the movie star don Cheadle made me sort of consciously forget the tv star don Cheadle from the past because i had completely forgotten that he's will smith's friend on fresh prince like right that he did that entire season the golden palace he was on picket fences for years like I mean, but I more recently I loved Black Monday. Like he is so good in that. Um, I didn't watch his other show. What was his I, other show? Funny enough, so I've not watched Black Monday because I just haven't had the time. But I have watched the entirety, except for some reason, the last episode of House of Lies, which was That's the, the show. One. Yeah, which was the show that he did with Jean Ralphio. I'm I'm sure he has a real name, but he will always be Jean. And Veronica Mars. And Veronica Mars. <laughs> They don't have real names. No, no, no not at all. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's get into a rewind and talk a little bit more about the career of Mr. Don Cheadle. Donald Frank Cheadle Jr. was born November 29th, 1964, making him a cool 58 years old. So he's real young. Yeah. Uh, unless you're Kevin Hart. Damn! <laughs> uh, was- that was the. Did you see that interview that went around a couple of years ago? Where, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what's funny is that caused like a media sensation. Like Don Cheadle was very upset, and it's like, no, he's he's acting. Yeah, and in the words of yeah, in the words of Tammy Brown, ha, 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 I'm acting. I'm acting. <laughs> like yeah, um, uh. but he was born in Kansas City, Missouri, to Betty Cheadle. Uh, who was a teacher, and Donald Frank Cheadle Sr., who was a clinical psychologist. He has a sister named Cindy and a brother named Colin. I know that they wanted a junior, but they named their other two children C's. (laughs) And I wonder what the... Like, you're like, so... Yeah. Don. (laughs) Um, They moved around a lot as he was a kid. Uh, You know, a, a lot of the South. Uh, they ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska at one point in time where he went to school from 70 to 74. He graduated in 1982 from East High School in Denver, Colorado. Um, during high school, he played saxophone in a jazz band, sang, and he was active in the theater department performing in musicals, plays, and mime shows. M- Imagine being the mime kid in high school. Yeah. It does. <laughs> I like, what is the hierarchy of that? There's like drama, speech, and debate mime. Um, like, well then, but then there's also like AV Club and a- then mime. AV Club mime. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, high school mimes. Apologize to, to the union of high school mimes. <laughs> there are pictures of him as a mime. Have you seen them? There absolutely are. I saw him on Ellen, uh, which to preface, I watched the interview 
of him on Ellen because Wanda Sykes was hosting. Um, and he like Wanda Sykes is just absolutely tearing into him about it. <laughs> we did a mime show in high school in my in my theater class. Our teacher was very. Oh, Don. Uh, oh, Don. Oh, like y'all all didn't do mine. Now y'all gotta act like y'all ain't do mine. You know everybody in here did mine. No one. Stop it, please. And, and, and you don't tell people. You don't tell people you did mine. I wasn't gonna tell people. This is your researchers <laughs> digging up stuff on me and putting it on screen to embarrass me. But oh, I killed in that one. That one was great. Cheadle went on to attend the California Institute of the Arts, graduating with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater in 1986, which is crazy because I was born just like three years before that. <laughs> Cheadle became eligible for his Screen Actors Guild card when he appeared as a Burger Joint employee in the 1985 comedy Moving Violations. I watched this movie. He okay. is in one scene. <laughs> He's okay. literally like in a drive through window. Also, Terrible movie. It stars Bill Murray's younger brother doing a Bill Murray impression. Good. Okay, great. Yeah. I think I heard that he had started uh, points for equity while he was in college, like doing wow. equity type stuff. And so he, before he even got out of college, was... It was like a working actor. Yeah. He could get his equity card, which, you know, never happens for people. So it's cool that his school offered that. Right. It's also like... He's hearing, like, learning this about him is like, oh, yeah, he does give off, like, very L.A. vibes. Like, he's not a New York actor. No. He is a California actor. But I do think he's very serious about his craft. I do mm -hmm. think there is a a part of him that recognizes that, you know, this is a, a job that he's very lucky to do. But also he's incredibly talented, which is why yeah. he keeps getting good jobs work. from it yeah. and work i know people come up to me and say you know hey man i want to i want to do what you i want to be an actor and I'm like, how can i be an actor and i go do you want to be an actor or do you want to be a star or a celebrity or like well i want to be on i want to i'm like are you acting right now are you in anything are you in plays are you auditioning for plays do you read plays are you yeah. reading scripts or do you go to Sam French and grab stuff and see what you can work on? I'm like, that's all working. That's all doing acting work. Now, you know, yes, maybe you're not on a TV show or somebody hasn't put you in a film. But if you think that's the only way acting happens, it's probably going to be one or two things are going to happen. You're never going to get that shot or you're going to get that shot. And then very quickly, they're going to see that you're this deep and you have nothing to, to bring to the game. During this time. There's a lot of bit parts popping up in places. He's on Hill Street Blues. He does episode of Night Court. He does the movie Hamburger Hill, which is another movie I watched, which I'm pretty sure he had three lines in, but he's in the movie a lot. And uh, he's like in his 20s, right? Like yeah, he's younger. Absolutely. Uh, he plays the role of Rocket in the 1988 movie Colors, uh, in which he's the main villain of the film. And I'm pretty sure he had no lines. The fuck? I was I was like, what? It's a movie about gang violence. It's not great. It's very dated. In 89, he appeared in the music video for Angela Winbush's number two single hit. Uh, it's the real thing. He has been seen dancing in this video. It's very funny. He's got the moves. Um, and if you are on our Patreon, you will see them. Um, if you're just listening, sorry. But just imagine they're great. <laughs> I want to uh, look at it right now. In 90 is when he gets his sort of breakout, uh, when he's cast on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, in, in an episode titled Homeboy, Sweet Homeboy, mm -hmm. playing Will Smith's friend and Hillary's first love interest, Ice Tray. Right. And 
what's funny about this is he said that they liked his character so much that they decided to give him a spinoff. They said, we want to do a pilot. We want to, you know, base it around you. And it was kind of a crazy experience. And we shot a pilot and it never got on the air. The pilot didn't uh, get on the air. Is this where you were going to be Ice Trey? I actually know they changed the character. The pilot was called In the House. They went and later they gave that title to LL Cool J's show, In the House, and he did that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, NBC was, for a minute, they were going to be my champions, and then Brandon Tartikoff left and warned the... You guys don't want all this minutiae. No, no, no. Brandon Tartikoff, one of the great uh, broadcasting geniuses of all time. That's right. Who, he was... was the president there, and then he left, and Warren Littlefield came in, and then yeah. Warren Littlefield... That's how the business the works. Show. And he said, you know, he gave his brother his car... His younger brother, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to make so much I'm more money. I'm making it, bye. <laughs> um, and so he gives Colin this car, and then <laughs> it Flopzilla. gets canceled. And I guess Colin offered him his car back, and he was like, nope, this is a teaching moment. Yeah. I mean, Don't Jesus. count your chickens before they hatch. Um, um, and then other spinoff, Golden Palace, yeah. which I don't know if I completely understood. So Golden Palace is a Golden Girls spinoff, but without B. Arthur? Correct. And that's it. So, so when Golden Girls ended, it ended because B. Arthur want, didn't want to be on the show anymore. Mm. And so initially, the, and this is maybe too long for this episode, but if it is, I'll cut it out. Uh, essentially, NBC offered them 14 episodes for this spinoff about the girls selling the house and buying a sort of rundown hotel to take it over. And they were like, well, we want to do a full season. And CBS counteroffered with a full season and NBC was like, we're not going to do it. So the show moved networks as well. Oh. And and in order to replace B. Arthur, at first, it's Don Cheadle, Cheech Marin, and a little boy. <laughs> and luckily, I've actually just recently watched all of The Golden Palace. It's actually very good. It's, you it's... recently watched all of The Golden Palace? Yeah. Dan, my boyfriend, has been watching Golden Girls for about five years now, and he made it to the point where he finished Golden Girls, and I was like, let's watch The Golden Palace. And it's all the same writers, so it's very much in the same vein. I will say, I love Don Cheadle. He's not B. Arthur. He does not deliver... No those asides as well, well she is a elderly woman right. and he but, is a young black man <laughs> right but they're not playing the same character like he's the manager at the hotel cheech marin is the chef at the hotel but again the, he's the manager of a hotel and he's like 23 25 but but they do give him those dead you would you should watch oh, it he's yeah, like a but, deadpan okay, okay yeah okay, they okay. give him those deadpan li like one of my favorite line deliveries was at one point his parents are coming to tell him something. And he's like, oh, they're probably coming to tell me the dog died. She was 23. And Rose goes, oh, what did he die of? And he goes, smoking, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, uh, that line would have landed harder if it was B. Arthur. But yeah, uh, sure. this show did eventually sort of work its way back into the zeitgeist a couple years ago during all the major protests. Because there's an episode they do about the Confederate flag. Roland, I don't feel like that woman in there. I don't feel that way at all. But can't you see, Blanche, that flag ties what you believe and what she believes together. Look, I'm telling you, the legacy of that flag is alive every time I walk down the street with a group of my friends and I see a white person cross over to the other side because they're afraid. Or look, when I'm in the elevator with somebody like you and you're all huddled over in the corner wondering what I'm going to do, sometimes I just want to go, oh. <laughs> just to break the tension. 
So please don't tell me about that flag. I've battled that flag all my life. This was like 92. Yeah. And they did an entire episode about how uncomfortable it made. Like Don Cheadle's character quits at one point because wow. he's like, I won't work for somebody who has these morals. Yeah. And it's not perfect. It definitely like wraps itself up like we solved racism in 22 minutes. But yeah. I did just recently read an interview with him where he the interviewer asked him about that episode. And he's like, he's like, was I happy with that episode? No. Was I happy that they even wanted to talk about it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. Um, he then, after the Golden Palace is canceled after one season, he ends up playing the district attorney, John Littleton, for three seasons on Picket Fences. And he decides to leave Picket Fences because, as he tells David E. Kelly, like, nothing weird ever happened. Like, they, Picket Fences is about a small town, but all these weird things are always happening. Well, he was this district attorney, and... David E. Kelly was like, yeah, well, you're the heart of the show. So, like, weird stuff can't happen to you. You have to do all the moralizing. And Don Cheadle was like, that's boring. Yeah, Don was like, boo, bye. <laughs> so, so he up and leaves that. And he immediately gets an audition for Devil in the Blue Dress in 1995. Devil in the Blue Dress was written and directed by Carl Franklin, who had Don Cheadle in his thesis film when he mm. was graduating college. So he like knew to call Don Cheadle. They like happen to run into each other, funny enough, in like a doctor's office. Uh, I'm at a ear, nose, and throat doctor, and the door swings open, and it hits me in the leg, and it's Carl Franklin. <laughs> and you can look back at the at the time and see that there are very few parts for black actors that were in the vein of things I wanted to necessarily keep doing. You know, it's like how many roles do I want to play where I have a gun in my hand? Or yeah, I'm on yeah. the receiving end of it, you know, either I'm the cop shooting or I'm the dude getting shot or I'm a dude running from it. I'm like, I'm good with that. So I didn't want to do a ton of those. So it made it a very picky, you know, I'd, I was very picky and choosy. And I was fortunate that a lot of the things that I picked, I got to do. But it wasn't like the floodgates open. It wasn't like there was a bump and then you're on easy street. You know, I was like, no, yeah. it's, it's going to be a grind. And that agent that took me on then, I even told him he's a very big agent. And he's like, you're good. And I was like, do you, you don't understand how much work this is going to be? He's like, no, it's going to be good. I was like, you'll see. And it, and it was. It's a grind. It's he plays a character named Mouse, who is a friend of, of Denzel Washington, who sort of, it's done like a film noir, and Denzel Washington sort of finds himself as a reluctant detective. And mm. so he calls his friend Mouse to sort of be his heavy, and he hasn't realized that Mouse has basically lost it. And Mouse will kill anybody that he feels he needs to. And there's a point towards the end of the movie where Denzel Washington asks somebody else, he's like, can you still be friends with somebody that you know is a bad person? Mm. And I, I, it's, it's this interesting dynamic. He doesn't have a ton of scenes in the movie, I will say, but he leaves quite an impact because he's just, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a huge performance. He yeah. keeps it internal, but you feel kind of scared for Denzel when he's alone in a room with with Don Cheadle. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really impressive. Damn, what's wrong with you, man? Don't you ever grab me when I got a gun in my hand. Shit. You got blood on my coat, easy. It's a damn expensive coat. I always love when, like, the heavy has, like, a diminutive name, like, Mouse. It's funny. <laughs> he wins Best Supporting Actor from the Los Angeles Film Critics Association and the National Critics Society of Film Critics, and also earned a nomination from the Screen Actors Guild and the NAACP Image Awards for that role. And so, like, really, that's, I feel like that's sort of his coming out party. Yeah. He, 
he does a TV movie about uh, Earl the Goat Manigault. I actually just watched that today. It's fine. I saw half of it and I was like, enough. Yeah. Enough. It's available on YouTube if you want to see it. It's an like I said, it's an HBO movie. Um, he then gets cast in John Singleton's historical drama Rosewood and the disaster film Volcano. Rosewood is like a real starring role. Volcano is a like sidekicky to Tommy Lee Jones's sort of gruff, like, oh, there's a volcano under LA. Um I mean, out of these two, I think Rosewood is a genuine classic. Uh, Volcano is a, a bad movie that it's Don Cheadle's good in. It's wild because, like, you know, early 90s, he really was, you know, he kind of just makes such a big splash from Devil in the Blue Dress that it, it, it seems like he's having a really, like, great moment. Because, you know, those there's a couple of movies on HBO that he makes um, in this era and he's the leading man on that and then like for movies you know he's maybe not getting like the starring moment but like he he's just like a good like weapon to have in the arsenal of yeah. these like kind of uh mid-budget movies um which i mean like that same year he does boogie nights um uh, which we talked about in our pta episode um and he's great he's so good and he's hard to like not like it's <sighs> It's not that he's hard to look away from, but the things that he's doing in that movie are so specific to the character he's playing yeah. that there are points in that movie I remember thinking like, "What's going on with him? Like, where yeah. is he? What's it? like when he shows up looking like Rick James?" You know the, I mean, I so like there's him selling the stereo systems, like yes. so good. There's him like. At the do- is it a donut shop? Yeah, in the white suit. Like yeah, that it's so fucking tense. Yeah, but he's so so good. Um, and uh, you know we talk a lot about that movie. Um, like I said in our our PT episode, but like him specifically, really just holding his own against a lot of these heavy hitting actors, you know, and being able to like. I mean, I guess it's not hard. He's like the only black man in that movie. Yes. Yeah. But like he's making his character very singular, specific, you know, really carving space out um, amongst all these larger than life characters. Um, But that's what I also mentioned to say, like he he does do character acting very well. I think, you know, he loves a good like accent. He loves, you know, doing like the kooky bookie shit. Um, Yeah. And I think that's a good example of that. Yeah, and also because you did mention in their other TV films, he does A Lesson Before Dying, which we talked about in our Cicely Tyson episode, and I think he's okay in it. It's a great book. It really is. If I can impart that on people, read the book, you know. I I watched it for this episode, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) We're learning. We're learning things. The following year, after Boogie Nights, he appears in Out of Sight. It's an adaptation of Elmore Leonard's novel, um, and it is... The first of, I think, six movies that he does with Steven Steven Soderbergh. We talked about this in our Jennifer Lopez episode. Yeah, I love this. This is not because Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney are so hot in this movie. And I rarely think about don Cheadle or anybody else Any, in this movie. anybody else and, and the funny thing is is like there are a lot of really good but this is that area that you're talking about like he gives yeah. a good character performance yeah it's but it's not like spotlight stealing it's not showy sure and, and so like it's it's hard to i love out of sight so this is not a knock on it but it's just there's so much like 
they could melt snow. They're so mm-hmm. hot together. Electric. Uh, electric, absolutely. Um, in 1998, he portrays Sammy Davis Jr. in the TV movie The Rat Pack. It won him a Golden Globe and earned him an Emmy nomination. Uh, this movie is all on YouTube. I remember watching it with my mom when it came out on HBO. I rewatched it for this. I don't think it's very good. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. He's odd casting for Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. But the big swing of the movie is, is everybody's odd casting. You have right. Ray, Ray Liotta as Frank Sinatra. You have Joe Mantegna as Dean Martin. It's it's these this wild sort of casting where no one really looks like they're supposed to. Uh, but I will say, like, he had to learn how to play drums. He had to learn how to play the trumpet. He had to learn how to tap dance. And he was the last person cast in this movie. He did all that in three weeks. I never even saw your skin color, you idiot. I'm not your friends. Listen, sometimes Frank and the guys, they, they cross the line. Okay, and yes, sometimes it hurts. So I get a little dirt on my uniform. So what? The point is my I'm circling the bases. And and the fellas that come up behind me, they're gonna they're gonna have it easier. Can't you see that? In the future, we're gonna see him taking on a lot of real life black American icons. Um and I think I guess I don't know this for a fact, but it feels like something he's very passionate about as we go on later and hear about his um Miles Davis movie, like just the passion he has for these people and wanting to tell their stories. So I can see like, you know, this is like the little beginnings of that yes. vibe. And, and well, I think and and I guess because we're here, I think it's a good time to talk about it. I think he is somebody who there isn't a and I, I think this is a very good thing. And I think you, you should do this if you're truly an artist. But there isn't a separation from what he believes and his mm. art. Yeah. And and so I think that you see a lot specifically in his career you see a lot of real people, a lot of um people that we might not know as much about in terms of history that mm-hmm. whose stories are important. And on the other side of that, you see a lot of fictional people who are in jobs of like helping people. You see a lot of, you know, like psychiatrists, um professors, social workers, social workers that sort of and so I think what he does, and I don't think I don't think he like looks at every script and is like, "How can this help humanity?" <laughs> but I think, it, I think what draws him in, what connects him to certain characters, is like, "Hey, this person is doing this thing, and I can put some illumination on it." Which is not to say that I'm sure he could still play a, a villain now, but he spends so much of his early part of his career playing criminals. You know, I mentioned colors. I mentioned out of sight you know he he's i don't think that's what he wants to do i don't think yeah. he wants to be like i'm the black guy so i'm a bad guy i think it's different when you're in when you're in like an oceans movie and like the the bad guys are the good guys and it's like yeah, a team yeah, yeah. of you know but like i do think that he's more interested in telling the stories of people that are actively trying to help or change things and so i think that that's part of it i think i'm somewhat defined by my race for sure you know Uh, and i'm i'm good with that and i actually want that to be a part of whatever story i i I don't believe in colorblind casting you know i think that 
that's something that is is something that should be fodder for your work. We should use all aspects of ourselves. So I'm always trying to find the place where that actually has an impact on what I'm doing as opposed to going, well, we're all just the people same. and we're the same and I have the same issues you have. It needs to be said, like Don Cheadle is a very dark-skinned black man, you know? And I think there are a lot of movies even where he is straight up being like, actually, no, my childhood was not growing up in the hood. Like, I'm highly educated. Try again, bitch. And so I think that is reflected in his movies. And like, it's funny, coming up, he's in a movie that I have a soft spot for. And please, no one make fun of me for it, Gavin. Um, I like Mission to Mars a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of you for it because I I have, I'd seen it before and I was like, yeah, that was fine, whatever. I rewatched it today and I was like, you know what? This is a good movie. I was like, yeah. I, I watched it on a, uh, like a middle school on a bus trip somewhere. And I was like so taken by it. And watching it again this time, number one, I was like, oh, you know, like Don Cheadle is the lead astronaut in it. Yes. Gets, you know, lost. They rescue him. He's still alive. He Take survives. That, Matt Damon. Yeah. Whatever. Here. The Martian. <laughs> what I think about Mission to Mars, I think about how this movie I enjoy it because it's kind of like a comic book or graphic novel. Like it is not like movies today where you have to, it's not a big think movie. Like this movie is going to tell you exactly why this thing happened. It's not, it's not like, Oh, love is the fourth dimension. It's right. literally, it's literally like, <laughs> I love it's literally that. like Martians, you know, their planet was dying. They sent, you know, yeah. DNA. Like it is, it is going to hold your hand. And like, maybe that's annoying to some people, but like, I think for a lot of people, it's very satisfying to be like, oh, this is why this happened. And it all makes sense. It all works for me. Yeah. When, when that guy fucking takes off the, the helmet and just like, you got to go back. And he just like fucking killed himself in space. I, yeah. it gets me every time. Every that's time. That's because love is the fifth dimension, Louis. Okay. It's the fourth <laughs> dimension. Crazy. Smelling is the fifth dimension. <laughs> That's not that's senses, you dummy. <laughs> no. <laughs> in 2000, um, he has two major roles. He stars as uh, Montel Gordon, a DA agent in Traffic, and the aforementioned Luke Graham in Mission to Mars. I guess we didn't really talk about Traffic, but Traffic is a, a, another ensemble piece. It gets nominated for Best Picture, like plays big at the Academy Awards. Uh, his second c- uh, collaboration with Steven Soderbergh I feel like traffic is sort of best left for like a Steven Soderbergh episode, not for Don Cheadle. But yeah, he, I mean, he's good in it. Yeah, I think like this era, I mean, you know what? Next up, we have Ocean's Eleven. Again, like big uh, ensemble thing. I think he's great in it. I think he definitely is right at the level of Clooney and Brad Pitt with his like rakish kind of like silly billy his terrible his terrible british accent his just the word you know what's funny is that in the same interview i read that he has adopted the internet theory somebody tweeted at him in 2019 that the reason his accent is so bad in the oceans movie is because (laughs) it's a cover that he's actually an american pretending to be british and he's like absolutely right she's like you got me gal you got me gal he's done you huh yeah he's waiting around the corner Oh, it's terrific. It'll be nice working with proper villains again. Everybody down! Get it! <laughs> they weren't expecting that shit. <laughs> the behind the scenes isn't as cozy as everybody thinks it is, unfortunately. Uh-oh. Because he is working with Soderbergh, who's a director he's worked with twice before. You know, Traffic 
aforementioned gets all these accolades he goes into oceans 11 and he's like i want my name above the title just like george clooney brad pitt matt damon julie roberts like i think i deserve that i think i'm at the point in my career where i deserve that and the studio was like absolutely not and he's like great don't put my name on it at all and so he goes he goes uncredited in oceans 11 he does not have a credit in the closing credits not in the opening credits don Cheadle is in that entire movie Luckily, he's able to negotiate before signing any contracts for the sequels, and his name does appear above the name for both Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13. That's but a like, gag. But what, what's the difference? What is the thing that makes Don Cheadle different than George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon? Like, yeah, it's yeah. glaring. It's glaring. And like, yeah. what does it cost? What does it cost the studio to put another name above the title? Right. It's Nothing. this. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, that that I mean, stuff I'm, drives me crazy. I'm glad that he, you know, for the sequels and all that. But I'm but also part of me is like, it took that long because why? He made other success. Like literally, the movies he's in are all making money. They're all successful, like commercially, critically, like what's the fucking deal? Right. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's embarrassing. If I was Soderbergh, I would be apoplectic about that every time I saw Don Cheadle. I'd be like, I am so sorry that this happened. And I know they've worked together since, obviously. They've done six movies together. But I would just be like, every time, I would feel it in the pit of my stomach. I'd be like... Anyways, uh, he made a guest appearance on the ninth season of ER, playing the role of Paul Nathan, a medical student who suffers from Parkinson's. Uh, the performance was nominated for an Emmy Award in the category of Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. I only want to bring that up because uh, our listener, Chels, gets very mad when we don't bring up that somebody guest starred on ER. So, And he did get an Emmy nom for it. So. Specifically about ER? Yeah, because I... Well, because I, I'm trying to remember what episode it was. There was some episode we did, and she was like, they did not bring up the ER arc. And I was like, okay, well... Okay, work. <laughs> um, also worth noting that... Don Cheadle casually does have um, nominations for all of the EGOT awards. Yes. He's uh, one of the few people who's been nominated for all of them, but yes. he only has two. Right. He has a Tony and a Grammy, yes. which is cuckoo bananas. Um, he, I believe he might even have two Grammys, but the Grammys are for like spoken word things. And the Tony is because he's a producer on Strange Loop with RuPaul and Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Good yeah. for them. Good, good for, them for them for getting on that. The, the train of that. In 2005, Cheadle was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actor for his portrayal of Paul Rusas Begina in the film Hotel Rwanda. I saw Hotel Rwanda when it came out. This was, ugh, God, so 2005, it was like my senior year in college or or my, my junior year in college. And I remember watching it and being very emotionally moved. I watched it again, and I think there is definitely some pitfalls in the movie it definitely is one of those movies that wants to be like and then everything's okay in the end and it's yeah. like wait a second <laughs> this movie's wait a about, minute this movie's about genocide yeah yeah also yeah. some of the things about the character he played that have come out since you know sort of downplay his involvement and mm. such but we're not we're not here to litigate that because we are a film podcast so but uh i do th- i think it's a good performance though and and like yeah. his, his wife who's played by sofia canedo who was also nominated like a uh, fucking love her like yeah that movie does not have a bad performance in it no 
that's true. Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Like, rolling in uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who I totally forgot was in the movie. I know. I, it was a jump scare to see him there, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, work. Um, yeah, I, I had never seen Hotel Rwanda. I was too scared oh. to watch it. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's frankly. not. I will say, uh, for having the trappings of a kind of award-baity drama that's about a, a real and tragic subject, it's not as pull on your heartstrings as it could be right there, it's also uh, not as like horrific as it right. could be <laughs> which i also think is maybe one of the downfalls which is i don't want to sit through horror horror and depression but i think it's also hard to make a pg-13 movie about a genocide and that's yeah. what it is so yeah i i i think i had not i didn't want to see it because i was afraid that it was going to be very much i mean it is a horrible hard the things that happened in rwanda horrifying um and i think though i do think the movie does a good job of being like they do not let the white people off the hook (laughs) they are very clearly like oh no the whole reason why this is happening is because of white people and then on top of that like oh you think anyone's gonna come help us girl no one no one's gonna care no there is no help they are gonna grab the white people and go and we're we are stuck here in this shit um, so at least, you know, the movie does do that. And so I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought it was uh, pretty powerful. Um, I don't know anything about really about like beyond what the movie tells me about what yeah, happened. That's I mean, that's definitely, you know, we <laughs> we live in a very ethnocentric country mm-hmm. and uh, we don't get taught in schools about other countries, uh, y- y- genocides like this. And, and perhaps we should. Our world history is. Uh, not to say anything bad about public schools, <laughs> uh, but like we're yeah. poor. Um, exactly. That same year, he co-produces Crash um, as well as stars in it as one of several stars because it's a movie in which there's like 20 people you can blame for. Um, Wait, and- so does he not get an Oscar for producing Crash? I think because he's a co-producer, I think only executive producers, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. But maybe because he gets a co-producer credit, he does not get the oscar. a oscar yeah i i don't i don't really know how the credits for that work come to think of it but uh yeah crash so i guess we're going to talk about it but one thing i do want to say right before that right before um in 2001 he does the original production of susan laurie park's top dog underdog off broadway with he was the original yes he played booth uh with jeffrey wright playing lincoln and it's a fantastic play. I actually just saw the revival yesterday. It is the 20-year wow. revival on Broadway right now. And it's a really fantastic show. And he does not transfer to Broadway with it mm. because he's busy with projects. I have not been able to find out what he was busy <laughs> with. But, but I assu- you have suspicions. I, ass- I have suspicions it was Crash, which is really unfortunate. Uh, he was replaced by Mostaf, also known as Yaslin Bey. And I I think, I, I'm sure Mostaf was amazing. I love Mostaf. And I, I'm, but I, I would have, like, there's a great one hour, it's not great, clearly a lot of it's staged, but there's a good behind the scenes documentary about the transfer to Broadway called mm. the top dog diaries that you can watch on i think both tubi and youtube for free and it's worth seeing also because susan laurie parks is like just fucking amazing and watching her talk she's about an herself icon. Yeah, yeah she's an icon I, I i saw the show like in the berkshires like and it was oh. i mean it, it's two, two when years you ago. were vacationing in the berkshires i was honey um i had a little theater summer roundabout <laughs> 
and they were doing a production up there and it was in i mean i was like <laughs> that show yeah. is will shake you right the fuck up but yeah crash uh what do you say about Crash? Crash is maybe the most maligned movie to ever win the Academy Award, uh, you know, besides the greatest show on earth. <laughs> um, the great, oh, but also besides um, fucking Green Book. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had worse since. I feel like you know it's these movies that are trying to grapple with like race, right? In America, we, we in both a very... watched Grand Canyon for this yes. show, so we know, we know, like the, it's like stumbleisha vibes i mean i remember watching this in high school and being like wow powerful and then you watch it again and it's just like shock value with very little yeah val like actual value like emotional value i mean like it's, and what's, it's so what's, funny because it's so misguided and i'm aware that like paul haggis who wrote and directed who's having his own problems right now and i will not go into the but like a google paul haggis you will but he has since left the church of scientology but he has talked about how like this was a very scientologist view <gasps> of racism My and God. how racism works and affects people and yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like because I'd forgot I rewatched it for this and I've not watched it in years. I did not watch it for Sandy. I did not watch it for Brendan. I'm sorry. F- sorry to both those people. <laughs> but I I watched it for this and I was like it just it the the amount that doesn't hold up is yeah. e- like it's intense. I, I think what's not me defending Crash. I think there was a <laughs> kernel of like, you know, the idea that in LA, in, in most right. places, you are like our our connection with humans is is very tough, right? Like you know because we are not walking around like in New York where like people are always running into each other. Like it's we have the interaction with human beings, and I think there's something interesting there. I, there that that is an interesting concept, but the way that this movie is just like mm, devil's advocate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and everybody feels like a stereotype. Like yeah. it's not just specifically like, like every and everybody's so angry throughout yeah. the entire movie, right? But even like that, even that idea, like you know, that people are just like so loosey goosey talking about like you know their race, like right? I I not to get personal on the pod, but like literally last week I tweeted about like. It makes me so uncomfortable when someone brings up my otherness, like, you know, yeah. when someone just, like, casually asks, you know, and, like, who are you? Where where, where are you from? Whatever the fuck. And it's, like, I, I understand. Which, like, he- also tw- 2022, why are we still asking that? But right. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like. No, like, I understand curiosity, but, like, it is a different vibe to be, like. Now, what's an interesting point of conversation? Why are you brown? Yeah. <laughs> and what kind of brownness are you? And like, so this idea, it's very, to me, it's very like, you know, police procedural, like in 86 or something where it's like, oh, you got those Mexicans over there and like, oh, well, those Arabs. And like, it's just like very, you know, trying to do a lot. And in the end, I mean, what's what's also shitty is that I think that there are good performances in this movie. I think Tandy Newton is very good. Yes. I think she's like an incredible performer. Um, I don't think Don does much here. Like this no. is no, and he, but he's not given much to do. Like right. I, I will say, like the side effect of seemingly him producing and being so involved in this is that his story is like kind of a minimal. Non- yeah, it's minimal. It's very emotional. It really wants you to like really feel it. Like, you know, well, he's dealing. There, yeah. 
there is this emotional, you know, when like the racist white guy has to save the black woman, like that is emotional. But like after the shock of that wears off, you're like, wait, why the fuck are we making the fucking racist, the fucking hero here? Like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, So yeah, which I think a lot of movies have problems with like wanting to redeem racists. It just seems like uh, Hollywood's obsessed with like, and then he was changed for the better when he found the error of his ways. It's like, okay, well, he still put a lot of fucking people through trauma and pain, bitch. What the fuck? Yeah, it's uh, it's very misguided. But hey, as previously mentioned, it wins the Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, he was nominated for a BAFTA specifically for his performance and Screen Actors Guild Awards for Best Supporting Actor. Bizarre. Uh, bizarre. bizarre. Um, also in the same year, he plays the main character in the movie Traitor. Um in <laughs> Trader feels like it wants to be again like just one of those it feels like it wants to be a Denzel Washington movie honestly yeah. where it's like you know high drama uh twists and turns and politics uh but i i just don't know that 2006 was the year for a movie about like domestic terrorism um yeah. re- religious war um yeah. I'm using a Muslim man for like the CIA. Yeah. Like. Um, I'm going to drop one truth bomb and then I'm going to quickly move away from that. Do you know who the story by credit for? Uh, I just, I just, I just saw and I don't like it. Yeah. The story by credit is Steve Martin as in wild and crazy guy, Steve Martin. What, what was Steve Martin doing? Being like, I want to write about Sudanese people. I, I know the answer to this, which is he pitched the idea to the producer on a lunch break while shooting the Queen Latifah movie, Bringing Down the House. Okay, we do need to shut this down. We do need to shut... I... A movie I did watch, though, was the 2009 DreamWorks film, Hotel for Dogs. Oh, you did? I did. Um, I was dead set. I was like, Hotel for Dogs, it's gonna be my one-star review. Is Don Cheadle the hotel or the dog? Uh, he is both. Weird. Oh, wow. A weird choice. Wow. No, it's not bad. I'll be honest. I was like, in terms of kids' movies, this is fine. This is like a three-star thing. Um, but once again, he's playing hes playing a social worker in this movie. The two leads are orphans. Georgia and Lenny. They're the first two residents in this hotel. The hotel for dogs. No one was turned away when they needed a home. Nobody was abandoned when they were looking for a family. Are you really going to tell me that we're going to just abandon them now? Once again, like a social worker, like five somebody star, who's five star review. Gavin said it here star first. Review, Hotel for Hotel dogs. For dogs. <laughs> there, I mean, there's there's a bunch of films in between here and there. He does a lot of indies. You know, he does the United States of Leland. He does. He does Manic. He does Manic. You know, he he does Talk to Me in 2007. Um, and oh, the, yeah, I like Talk to Me. I like talk to me a lot, actually. And, uh, you know, Brooklyn's finest in 2010. Like there there there's like lots of dips and bits in here where he like comes in. He occasionally has a lead role. He occasionally doesn't. But, you know, it's it's this sort of era where he's like he's doing tip spots. He's doing tip spots. Exactly. Swordfish. Yeah. Oh, I I always forget he's in Swordfish, but also Swordfish is a bad movie. So, like, yeah. uh, um, But in 2010, he he gets the job. Of playing War Machine in Iron Man 2, James Rhodey Rhodes. He takes over from Terrence Howard from the first movie, who basically, like, 
<laughs> wanted more money? Yeah, didn't want to get paid the same as everybody else. Um, the, did he want more money than Robert Downey Jr.? Well, he got, I think, and like this might be apocrypha, so don't quote me on this, but basically when they're putting together the original Iron Man, because the original Iron Man is technically an independent film because Marvel at the time was an independent studio, right. they wanted to attach big names to it. And the first person they cast was Terrence Howard. And hmm. so he got paid a very large sum of money. And essentially, they, when they were going to do the second one, they're like, okay, everybody's pay is going to be equal across the board. Except So you're Robert saying Dead. that he got more money than Robert Downey in the first movie? I'm, I'm implying it, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to be wrong. Mm. But that's basically what I've heard. Okay. And you know they were like we're leveling the playing field and he was like no i should be making as much money as robert like and they were like no ma'am uh girl, the girl so, the movie's called iron man not yeah. war machine yeah Hitler. uh i mean i can't i see his point he's the only black person in the movie like mm. um but <laughs> the uh so john Cheadle gets put into the machine that is marvel you know he shows up Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Captain America. Blah, 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 blah. It's it's still ongoing. Yeah. And so, like, what he's doing in between these movies is occasionally showing up in another film like he does in the movie Flight, which we talked about yes. in our Robert Zemeckis episode. Uh, once again, playing opposite Denzel Washington and really yes. sort of, but in a very different capacity because he's playing a lawyer that really fucking hates Denzel yeah. Washington's guts. Yeah. Or showing up in The Guard, which is an independent Irish film, which actually ended up being the highest grossing Irish film for a very long time. It might still really? be. Yeah. But it was it was a huge hit in Ireland and and directed, written and directed by Martin McDonough's brother, John Michael McDonough. So there's two McDonough's? I had no idea. I they both I mean, write I, plays too. Ugh. I know. I was like, I was watching this movie. I was like, oh, this must be a McDonough joint. I didn't realize it was a different one. Yeah, um, because it is McDonough joint, but not 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 the same. <laughs> the vibes are exactly the same. What did you go open the projects? Or did you not have the projects in Kenosha, Wisconsin? No, I did not grow up in the projects. It might surprise you to learn, Sergeant Boyle, that I actually come from a very privileged background, and by privilege, I mean prep schools. Yale. I was a Rhodes Scholar. I don't know what a Rhodes Scholar is. I do know what a Rhodes Scholar is. Really? Enlighten me. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Chris Christopherson was a Rhodes Scholar. You, you are correct. He's had time to, to do his TV stuff between House of Lies, Black Monday. He also, in 2015, directed his first movie, Miles Ahead, in which he played Miles Davis. Um, it's not a a real biopic in a sense it like is a sort of an imaginary story in which miles davis is sort of caught up in a heist with a rolling stone writer played by ewan mcgregor where they go to steal back the masters of his album and then sort of flashes in and out of his earlier life with his first marriage and and the sort of violence that occurred during that um I think it's actually not a bad movie. This was not supposed to be his first film. In um, 2007, he was trying to adapt Elmore Leonard's uh, Tosha Mingo Blues, but that fell through. I think this was actually a pretty decent first film. It certainly falls into a lot of the traps of a first movie, in my opinion. It's very showy in a way that like, like we need to throw in everything in the kitchen sink. She is in that editing bay, popping off, 
but it feels like a 30 rock situation <laughs> like miles ahead the miles davis movie like okay um i think that i get that it's like a free form whatever i just don't think i learned anything about miles davis from this movie yeah unfortunately also i think if miles davis sounds like that great but it is hard to like to, again it is like leans into the 30 rock of it all like he is doing kooky voice there's the wig there's like i it's, I, I don't want to be a jerk but miles davis does kind of sound like that i mean i I, I think it's actually a pretty decent portrayal of like in terms of like embodying miles davis well you have my goddamn keys dave i don't have your tape miles i spent all night downstairs with you then what the fuck happened oh shit those bastards what the uh what that uh trumpet player the kid and that dodgy guy from columbia they were here last night they was in my house last they night were right here what the fuck you ain't tell me last night I was off my fucking tits last night i know he had wanted to make this movie for a long time he you know this was a passion project for him but it just feels very vanity driven. You kind of can tell like he wanted to do the specific thing as opposed to like telling the story of this man's life or whatever. I just think perhaps it would have benefited from other eyes, perhaps uh, uh, a little editing here and there. I think it flashes in and out of different time periods far too much the value to me just seems to be a showcase for him acting as opposed to telling a story. Right. Which And I will say, I'm not actually a big fan of Ewan McGregor in this movie either. And the funny thing is, is he said that there would be no movie without Ewan McGregor. Like, they essentially, they needed a big name white man to get right. attached to it. And when they cast Ewan McGregor, that's when the money started coming in for it. They um, crowdfunded I, on Indiegogo? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel bad because obviously he wanted or this type of movie is a type of movie for oscar Beatty stuff right like well and and listen like it's not like the movie was a disaster you know it it fucking closed new york film festival when it when it came out so like it it certainly like had an audience and and it it reached them but like yeah no i agree i'm i'm very mixed on it as well too i mean it came and went it came and went um it last year in 2021 he did his sixth collaboration with steven soderbergh which was no sudden move um i i really like this movie it's sort of mid-tier soderbergh for me but i think don Cheadle's very good in it and um Mm -hmm. and we briefly but barely mentioned it when we talked about brendan fraser yeah but like yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know how much to say there is, uh, how much there is to say about this movie. I'll be honest. I I I watched it for this movie and I was like, oh my god, I don't know anything about cars. Ugh. But I will say that like here he is again doing some accent work, and I think he's really good in it. Um, this movie is also a like twist on twist on twist on twist yeah. type of movie. This is a dad movie. Um, this is a dad movie. TBS. I, I mean, it, it absolutely is. It's you know, um. Yeah, but I said I'm a dad, okay? (laughs) Also, the same year, he's the villain in Space Jam A New Legacy, playing (sighs) AIG Rhythm. And this was clearly, like, listen, he said he made Hotel for Dogs so his kids would have a movie that they could see with him in it. Uh, I think Space Jam was made so his kids could go to college. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody get up, everybody get down. Um... (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say about Space Jam. So sorry, Me sweetie. Neither. I saw it and it instantly left my brain. In terms of his personal life, Cheadle married his longtime partner, actress, and Rosewood co-star Bridget Coulter in early 2020. The couple had been together for more than 28 years and they have two children together. Um, I think it's so funny that like everybody thought that they were married because they'd like come to events together. And listen, you don't have to get married. Nobody's yeah. saying you have to get married. But I just love that like when he did, people were like, wait, you're not you're not married? You were not married? They're like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? In terms of his political activism, he campaigned to attend the genocide in Darfur. Um, he co-founded the Not in Our Watch Project, an organization focusing global attention and resources to stop and prevent mass atrocities. Um, he was awarded the BET Humanitarian Award in the year t- 2007 for his humanitarianism work for the people of Darfur and Rwanda. Um, at the 2007 World Series of Poker, uh, Cheadle and poker player Annie Duke organized an annual charity poker term- tournament, Anti-Up for Africa. He's done a lot of political stuff with George Clooney, uh, done political stuff with Harrison Ford. Famously, girlies we might have seen. 2019, when he was on SNL and he famously was wearing his protect, was it black trans kids that was on no, shirt? No, just, just, just trans protect kids. trans kids. Protect yeah. trans kids on his shirt while he was introducing the musical guests. And yeah, this is so, so fucking casual, fucking like, I don't gotta say shit. This is, yeah, this, he, it just is. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I listened to him talk about, you know, like, even all the way back when he was doing House of Lies, the, you know, the character that of his son was a queer kid, possibly NB, um, and he was like, doing interviews where people are like oh what what is it like to you know play a father and he's like i don't know just love your kids like it's that simple love them just love them you know love them the world's confusing enough and and dangerous enough and scary enough without having to justify yourself to your own family so you know just love love your kids it's we're very fortunate you know we have two beautiful kids that uh give us joy and torment and happiness and ups and downs every day you just gotta love them it's like nothing it's like being a dad yeah and and so like yeah he's just he is one of those people that constantly like puts his money where his mouth is puts you know and i think that ties back to what i was saying about you know his acting choices and once again i don't think he's like scouring every script for the most most righteous character but i do think he is like consciously thinking about like what's the what helps progress humanity through art and i i think that's i don't know it's very commendable um, i also we haven't, we haven't done somebody like that in a long time yeah We've had people that like donate to charity and donate to good causes but like he's on the line he just seems like you know it, it i think there is something clearly he's very talented his craft is you know really well shaped and formed but also, I think there was something that, to be said, like, it seems like people truly enjoy working with him. Yes. You know, he's been working for such a long time, and I think people respect him. And so he has the charisma, like, it, the, to be charismatic enough to, you know, hold his own against, like, the traditional Hollywood hunks of the 90s or whatever to seamlessly come into iron man universe and just like own that character um and i I, again i do i do think like when you think of that generation of 
black American actors, like it kind of is like him and Denzel, right? Like at that level, um, you know, who are who are also being able to play um, men in love, you know, being able to play like not having to do, you know, uh, the stereotypical roles and stuff. Uh, right. Well, that that was one of the interesting things about watching the documentary about Top Dog Underdog is, you know, he says when at the end of that play, something shocking happens and people would ask him, like, well, what does it mean? Does it mean this? Is it about slavery? Is it about racism? And he's like, no, it's about those two people like you're because those people are black. You're yeah. bringing that to it. Right. You're the audience. You have to feel like, and that's sort of, you know, he, I found this really great, you know, he, he went on MSNBC during the, all the George Floyd protests and did like mm. a special with them about racism in America. Like he's really attuned to all this stuff. He's really, he's not somebody who's living outside it. Who's like this rich person. Uh, and I have personally, you know, I, I know a lot of dudes, a lot of, a lot of people that are in the streets, a lot of people that are in neighborhoods, a lot of gang affiliated folk. I've never had guns pulled on me by any of them, but I've had guns pulled on me by the LAPD under the Daryl Gates Hammer program countless times, uh, had my life threatened countless times for doing nothing, for walking down the street. And this is a systemic institutionalized problem that we are all now fully aware of. Some of us have known for many, many years. Um, and we are seeing the watershed moment once again but you're right he on the other side of that he is being afforded these opportunities that like maybe a lot of you know other black actors are not and right like, i and i think that's like i i don't know what that is if it definitely feels like he is in a league of it's i mean truly him and denzel are in a league of their own um not to like compare them but like it seems like they somehow have been able to climb that hollywood ladder and like become A-listers, people listen to them, you know, they are not treated as like, you know, a little, um, but, and on top of that, I, you know, we didn't, I, one of the movies, uh, talk, talk to me, like at the end of it, I was like really shook and like kind yeah. of emotional about, and again, a, this is, this is about a movie like, that he executive produced. Yeah. And this is a movie about like, you know, another black American, a real guy, who you know never got like the flowers he deserved and it it felt like an important story like is it the perfect movie no but like i think it is uh important that stories like um pd green who was a dj in in dc who was a felon and like kind of you know um he spoke his mind he he spoke his mind in in a in a format and a time in which people didn't want you to do that. They wanted right. you to be rehearsed. They wanted you to be poised. They wanted you to be white. Yeah. They and that was the and he you know he went out there and he spoke the truth, and that's sort of where that that movie you know the core of that is. Yeah, and I think that, uh, just to like give a little shout out to like Chiwetel Ejiofor and Taraji P Henson, like yeah, a uh, great I mean, trio of actors who just I, fucking kill that movie. If we're shouting people out, Casey Lemons who directed it. You know, mm-hmm. great, amazing filmmaker Eve's Bayou, like so talented. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that sort of wraps up Don Cheadle. Why don't we get into our picks? Why don't we start with our one star reviews, get the negative out of the way so we can get to that good, good. 
Oh God, this is this is difficult. Um, this is difficult because I, as I said before, there are bad movies. He's yes. in some not great movies. Yes. In this list, but I don't think he. It's rare that he doesn't show up, right. or that he doesn't find a way to to make the character interesting. Um, I mean, there's a there's a couple. You know, I I you mentioned Swordfish. It's something I did not revisit. Um, I can barely remember that. But like that's such a minor thing. Um, he, yeah, I, I don't know. Is there anything before we do our picks? Is there anything that you saw him in that you didn't love? I mean, obviously you, you're not the world's biggest uh, Miles Ahead fan. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, I, there's a part of me that's tempted to choose Miles Ahead just because he's so involved in it, and like, you know, his handprints are all over it. Clearly, as a director. Um, and maybe it, it also shows that, like, you know, there are limits to his talent. Like, I think he's a very good actor. Um, I'm sure the directing was fine, I guess. But, like, I think as far like, I think he needed, like, someone else to help with the story. I think. Yeah. And the style, frankly. Like, I think if he had a little bit more of collaborators who bought in and were like, we need to really, you know, if we're going to give Miles Davis his due and his moment, like... It cannot be just like Miles Davis fucking running around, like shooting people to get these tracks. And like, I thought there was there were a lot of weird plots in this movie that were like not about him, really. Like, it's yeah. just like kind of random well, that, shit. I mean, that's a, I, f- I feel like you have a similar issue with Miles Ahead that I had with the Rat Pack movie, which was yeah. like, like, it, and once again, it's for me, the Rat Pack's not a bad performance, it's a good performance. And also, like, if you're going to get cast as Sammy Davis Jr., like, jump jump at that. Like, jump at right. that. Yeah. He's, he's an icon. But also, like, it's the weirdest casting in the world. But that's yeah. the whole movie. That's the that's the vibe. But I guess, like, if I have to choose a one-star moment, like, I get... <sighs> Space Jam? Space Jam, A New Legacy? Yeah. But put I mean, some, you know, put some credit on that full name. I, right. LeBron James's Space Jam, A New Legacy. I just think, you know, uh, on top of being a bad movie, uh, that movie's is... A, movie's a strong word. Right. Um, a part of being of that bad um, corporate um, synergistic moment, um, <laughs> commercial, uh, I it's just... It's, the clearest cash grab it's like the clearest like nothing burger of a performance like he had to like walk on a green screen for like a weekend and then said okay bye um there and i I talked about how there are movies where don Cheadle can show up and be don Cheadle, like in the marvel movies and it's fine um and then there are the movies where he like really puts his chidusi in it uh like you know even movies that i didn't like like no sudden move like i could never watch that movie again i'd be fine but i think he's really working he's yeah. you know he is being thoughtful um all those things um space jam a new legacy is neither of those things yeah it's just like all the charm and charisma is like <laughs> drained it's, it's- out it's so funny when i watched that movie last year um I'm guessing under duress. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> I was like, why Don Cheadle? And yeah. part of me was like, was he the only person who said yes? Or right, right. was it the amount of zeros at the end of the check? And like, 
it could, it could be either, but like, it's like did, did he ha- does he have a deal with Warner Brothers? Like, what's right. going on? There, there's just nothing to that. Ca- I mean, he's literally playing an AI. So, like, yeah. I guess he's doing the thing by being like kind of personalityless, uh-huh. but also the most. Like, yeah. you know, that's it's it's the type of role that a second rate Jim Carrey yes. impersonator would do. Like, I, I don't know. They, like, they could have hired like any TikTok comedian and they would have yeah. done better. You know, like, yeah. Um, it's like an Ashton Kutcher role, baby. Like, <laughs> like well, and what's the, tr- the tragedy is that like, and maybe this is my nostalgia glasses and also like f- Michael Jordan, whatever. But like the original Space Jam had a lot of charm, had a lot yeah. of, and, and, and nothing had nothing to do with Michael Jordan. But just right. like um, it wasn't a cash grab, it was like actually original and funny and like clever. Um, yeah, I don't. And- I don't think the original's perfect. Shout out to my friend Aaron who loves that movie with her whole heart. But but I I do think yeah there is something about it where it's at least like it doesn't feel as clearly corporate synergistic as yeah. this where they're just like. And here's a reference to Clockwork Orange for all the kids out there. Yeah, you know, right, like, right. Who dares disturb the great and powerful algae? <laughs> Look at your faces. You were terrified. <laughs> Priceless. Nothing to be afraid of. The computer's black. I can see that. Hello. Okay, what about you, Gavin? Uh, I am going to bring up something that we did talk about briefly before. It's funny because I thought we were going to breeze by it. So I was like, yes, I can talk about it a lot. But uh, that's 2008's Traitor, which um, is a a movie I didn't like. uh, But also, I don't think he's giving anything. Like, I think (laughs) a lot of it is. And part of that is probably the writing. You know, this is a movie directed by... Uh, Jeffrey Notchmanoff uh, from a screenplay by Jeffrey Notchmanoff from a story by Steve Martin previously mentioned. Um, once again, as as you mentioned, he plays Samir Horn, who's an Arabic speaking Sudanese American and a devout Muslim who for half of the movie you're led to believe is also an, an arms trader who sells bombs to terrorists to right. commit terrorist acts. And then you find out as a twist midway through that he's actually been working uh, for the CIA uh, without anybody else knowing Jeff Daniels is his handler. And he is like conveniently not told anybody else about this op. Right. No, literally nobody. They have nobody. all these big war room meetings about like, you know, all the FBI. And, and he's like, yeah, he seems really bad guys. You should get him. <laughs> like, <laughs> and what? so, and so Guy Pierce and Neil McDonough spend the entire movie trying to hunt him down, even though he's on their side and, yeah, I think th- I think this movie really thought really thought it was saying she was stuff. doing something. Yeah. yeah, and I feel bad because there's a lot of talent behind it. I mean, Archie Punjabi playing, uh, know. you know, Chandra Dawkins, who is Don Cheadle's girlfriend in the movie, and I, you know, there, there's lots of talk about religion and like what you know what it means to be like muslims uh, you can't kill anybody and like i kill people and like like a good uh, person as well there's a big morality play going on but but in the end it's it's not really saying anything it wants to eat its cake and have it too which like you can't have it both ways You (laughs) you can't like moralize this situation and then also be like yeah but look at this muslim blowing stuff up like right because the movie just is so 
uninterested in the character. It just kind mm-hmm. of tells you, but like, we don't know why he's doing this. Why right. is he? Why? Why is? How did he get involved with the CIA? What the fuck before? And, and there's a lot. And there's a lot of scenes where you have characters like asking what his motivation is, and the scenes end before anybody comes to any sort of conclusion. Yeah. So I, it just it's kind of a nothing burger, and it, it sucks because like I think there is a a. I don't want to see a version of this movie that like gets it right because I think it's just kind of not a great yeah. movie in general. But like there is a version that like gives him something meatier to chew on. But maybe they were also scared. Maybe they were like, you know, this is already a controversial topic as it is. We don't want to make anything too big. We want to everything stay on the fence as much as it can. Right. Well, I mean, like, again, m- in 2008, like, we were certainly still in Iraq, you know, right. Afghanistan, all that shit. And, like, to be making a movie about this is, like, fucking GOP jerk-off material, you know? Like, yes. it's, like, there are untold numbers of people living in America who yeah, are just waiting to be activated. Waiting yeah. to be activated with their secret fucking code who are going to walk onto a bus and right. at the same time, blow up buses all across America, and like, like yeah, what? It's, what? It, like what the fuck? Like it's like it, it, the funny thing is too is the movie also doesn't ever want to deal with the consequences of surveillance state, and I think nothing could be more telling than that. That there's literal pictures of Don Cheadle's character on the news, like mm-hmm. on the news everywhere, and at the end of the movie, uh, spoiler alert, he's like free walking around New York City, and Guy Pierce is like, yeah, like I. I cleared your name and scrubbed all like that man would be hunted for the rest of his life. There would be makeshift mobs. You know, he wouldn't wouldn't last a full day in New York city after that. Somebody would stab him in an alleyway. Like that's. Yeah. Uh, The movie, like, uh, like you said, wants it all. And unfortunately has, doesn't get any of it. Yeah. (laughs) Nor. I have kept you completely off the books. My boss his boss. Nobody knows you even exist. Look, I don't give a shit about any of that, okay? We need to rethink things. If you don't succeed, we may not get another chance. How far are you willing to take this? We've got blood on our hands. We've killed innocent people. Yeah, and if we stop now, they'll have died for nothing. This is a war. You do what it takes to win. You know who you sound like, right? We're the good guys, Samir. Oh, I know. But I think those are two very good picks, uh, especially Space Jam. I, th- I thought it might come up, but I, you know, you never know. Uh, why don't we get into our five-star reviews and talk about the performances we actually did really like? As much as I made fun of his accent in Ocean's Eleven, I actually think he's a lot of fun in all three of the Ocean's movies. I, shout out to my friend Jim, who said they were very excited for this episode because he was their favorite part when they were a little kid oh, uh, in the okay. Ocean's movies. So, like, I, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned Manic earlier, which is not a film that I think is amazing by any means but i i it's such a specific point in film history they shot it on the exact same cameras the the pd-150s that we used when i was in college from 2002 to 2006 like we really thought every movie was gonna fucking look like this in the future um (laughs) and i think his performance is really 
nuanced and hard and he really dug into this character um and yeah the scene where he like tries to prove his point that anger doesn't solve anything is so fucking good okay you feel better now huh did you fix kenny now is kenny all better now how about you you all better now you think you're the only one who gets pissed off and wants to fucking rage? I get fucking break shit. I get scream like a motherfucker! All day long. Now what? Kenny's still fucked up and I'm still miserable. I guess I gotta break some more shit. Get up, Lyle. Get up right now, Lyle. Get up! I, I quite liked Manic and I think he's very good in it. Um, I, again, it's so interesting. I, I love when he makes weird choices and I, I would highly, I, I think Manic is also on YouTube. Just, oh, is uh, it? That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, if 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 anyone's interested in like a tidy kind of like a, a very deep, you know, the movie is it's kind of tragic. It's, it's there are spots where it gets hard to watch, but like it's it's I think it's worth your time. Um, um, there, there's another movie too. Before we get into our picks that I, that we didn't even mention that I watched today took me forever to fucking find it but if you guys want to find it it's on daily motion it was a it was a sundance film that was picked up by showtime called things behind the sun it's a very hard (laughs) movie it's him and kim dickens and gabriel mann it it is not an easy watch it is very rough territory everybody's so good kim dickens should be a huge star and she's not she's a a really great actress well there you go um okay so i think then there are a couple options for a five-star review but or a pick and i but i think yeah i I have to go with hotel rwanda um i i think that it's a great performance you deserve that nomination for it yeah i i the movie really hit me in an aggressive way yeah so hotel rwanda is a 2004 film directed by terry george um it you know, is based on true fucking horrifying uh, events. Um, you know, uh, this basically civil war breaks out in Rwanda. Um, and, you know, it's it's these two, like, um, they're not even, like, ethnic groups. They're just, like, two different cultures. Right. Uh, they, they were, they were uh, groups that were separated by, by fucking... The- the colonizers yeah uh, and and they came in and they were basically like measuring fucking noses yeah and, they basically yeah. were like okay are you um a good black person or not and like made s- some people you know they basically labeled some people as good ones and others as bad and which led to this fucking civil war don Cheeto plays um, Paul, who is this manager of a hotel, the hotel is very fancy. Um, it is owned by a fucking French company, I believe, um, or some fucking white company. Um, and he kind of is him and his wife. They are both. They are from different um, of those social classes. So they have uh, uh, it's kind of controversial, I guess, in the neighborhood. Um and you know the un is there because they're about to like broker some peace talks or whatever even though those peace talks go through and the president signs them or whatever um this other class decides to fucking start the civil war and it's chaos and all these white people are at the hotel um essentially like very long and complicated story short 
the UN is like, great, we're here to help save the day. But JK, it's only for the white people. Um, literally, there is no evacuation security plan for Rwandans to, to leave. Um, and Paul, uh, in, the, in, in this, you know, dramatization at least, is um, key in saving a bunch of lives. And um, I just think he, first of all, honey, there's no accent uh, shaky quakiness here. He is so good. I think he does such a good job of playing this manager who is caught in an incredibly awful situation, um, trying to keep his family together, trying to like, there's that moment where he gathers everyone in the hotel and he says, this is not a refugee camp. We cannot be a refugee camp. This has to be a five-star hotel because the, as soon as it becomes a place for refugees, they're coming after us. There will be no rescue, no intervention force. We can only save ourselves. Many of you know influential people abroad. You must call these people. You must tell them what will happen to us. Say goodbye. But when you say goodbye, Say it as though you are reaching through the phone and holding their hand. Let them know that if they let go of that hand, you will die. We must shame them into sending help. Most importantly, this cannot be a refugee camp. The Interahamwe believe that the Mikulin is a four-star Sabina hotel. That is the only thing that is keeping us alive. There's a moment where he can't find his wife and kids in the hotel. And he finally finds them. And they're like in a tub. And she has like uh, the, the the shower head. But like in her hands, it's retractable, whatever. And he like she thinks it's, it's a bad guy. And it's him. And he's like, what were you going to do with that? And they, like, break out into this laughter, like, you know, this relief. And so, I don't know. This movie is very human. I don't know. I I, I walked away from this movie just being, like, we – all we have is each other, you know? Yeah. And, like – and that is a very powerful thing. And the things that we can do for each other is – is uh, we don't even understand sometimes how much we can do for each other. And to bring it back to John Cheadle, I think he just – is carrying this entire movie. Like I said, everyone in this movie is very good, but I think he is just like the beating heart. He is, he has to be, oh my God, when he is driving back from getting supplies and he's like, why is the road so bumpy? And it's bodies. They're literally yeah. driving over bodies. He that's gets back. the scene I remember the most. And that's yeah. why I almost wish the movie was more graphic. And Not he, because I want to watch them drive over bodies, but because I I think the selling of that scene is so good, yep. but like maybe fails to convey a little bit to the audience. Like these are human beings. Well, he's, he like tells the guy who's driving, he's like, you do not tell anyone what we saw. And then he immediately goes into like a storage room or whatever. And just has a yes. complete breakdown. He's having my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Because he's trying to have, he's the manager. He's supposed to be in charge. He's the one who's like saving people, right? Like he's the one who can like communicate with these generals and like try and negotiate, you know, safe passage or whatever. 
but he's just so desperate to like keep his family alive it's it's crazy and not and not to not to just keep drawing this out but i think the important thing in that scene is he's trying to tie a tie and Mm -hmm. and it's like this symbol of civilized society and it's like how are we we're not civilized we're we're literally people killing other people like we're we're monsters in this situation and yeah you know it's how do you pull yourself together and make yourself presentable how do you play your part in this grand scheme when you know people are literally gunning down other people and you're you're running over bodies and right i think like i i think i watched talk to me later that day or maybe the next day but i was like god these are both obviously very different stories but stories that white people don't fucking know about and don't care about and like And I just thought about like, Don is really doing us a service by delivering great performances about stories that everyone should know about. And that's a great transition point because my five star review is talk to me. Oh, shit. Ah! (laughs) I I know. I know I'm not going to win the poll this week. I don't care. Um, Talk to me came out in 2007. Previously mentioned it's a biographical film directed by Cassie Lemons. Uh, Don Cheadle plays Petey Green. Is this... The most truthful story of the Peter Green story, probably not. Know. Yeah, exactly. Know. the The Peter Green's family uh, did not cooperate with the film, and they criticized it for taking liberties on the portrayal and those of of Peter Green himself and those around him. Great, whatever. Here's a fun fact: we talk about this all the time. Movies don't necessarily have a responsibility to the truth. No, it's Ed a movie. Wood, yeah, exactly. It's not a documentary. Ed Wood. One of my favorite, it was my five-star review with Tim Burton film. I know so much about Ed Wood. Most of it's, 90% of it's fiction. Mm-hmm. But it's about a real person. And, yep. and I think this is a a, a great um, example of that, where it's like, we're going to we're gonna play the hits. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to talk to you about how P.D. Green reacted to the death of Martin Luther King, uh, about, you know, his womanizing ways, about, you know, the... the substance abuse issues in there the this uh sort of back and forth relationship he had with dewey hughes who was his producer and and the strained relationship there um this uh, relationship he had with vernell watson played by taraji p henson also all of that and the fact that the movie is written by michael Jeanette, uh who is a screenwriter and actor but also happens to be dewey hughes's son casual and so like the i mean i will say there are points when i watch this movie where i'm like is this a Peter green movie or is this a dewey hughes movie and that's but i but i don't think that's necessarily important because i think the performance that don Cheadle is giving this verbose this you know very he's a gregarious quick on his feet uh occasionally con man-esque uh performance of Peter green who meant so much to so many people in the DC area uh, who like really, there's a scene where he goes to, to be on the tonight show and he really blows it because he's just like this. I don't, he, he keeps telling people, I don't want to be here. This is not what I'm doing. And he gets in front of that audience and he's just like, you're a bunch of fake crackers and I don't want to perform for that, you. And like that, that scene was, I was like clutching my like neck yeah. line and I was just like, oh, but, but, to have the uh, grace and to know yourself well enough to be like, I have nothing to say to you. Right. You you are not my people. You are not my audience. I am not here I, I don't, to... I don't want you to laugh at me. Yeah. I want you to laugh with me and you're not going to do that. Yeah. You're going to laugh at me because I'm like, a, you think I'm a little sideshow freak because I'm yeah. a black man who's a con and like, 
you're going to think like, oh, what's that crazy black man doing on stage? You know, like, and he's like, no. Y'all going to have to forgive me if I'm a little nervous. I just ain't never been in front of as many white folk before. I know my manager do is backstage right now about to have a heart attack saying, oh, Lord, please don't let this fool go out here and say something crazy. <laughs> but he knows I always speak the truth. Yeah. Well, the truth is, I'm just the next con, y'all. And the people that live in the world that I come from, well, most of them can't even afford TVs. They listen to me on the radio. And they do that because I keeps it real. When they're out there laughing, I know they're laughing with me, not at me. But I look out here at y'all, and all I see is a room full of white folk waiting to hear some jokes I ain't got nothing to say to you people y'all ain't ready for P-Town I, I, the people I talk to laugh with me because we have a shared experience an understanding of things um, you're just gonna laugh at me because you know the novelty the problem that people have with biopics is they tend to think everything is important. You know, we need to we need to really dig into this character. What was the relationship with their mother? What was their relationship with their milkman? What was the, and it's like we don't need all that. Like we, you know, we we have those movies and and sure they win awards, but like I think the best ones are the ones that kind of play with the form and play with the structure. And I think this does a really good job with that. Is it 100% perfect? No, I don't, I don't think it is. I, I think in the end, I, I maybe gave this like three and a half stars on Letterboxd, but I truly think it's a five-star performance, and I, I think it's a five-star story and, wor- you know, worth watching. And as you mentioned before, shout out to Chuatual, Chuatual, Edgy of Four, and Taraji P. Hansen, but also Cedric the Entertainer, Mike Epps. Like, there, there's some really great performances in not huge roles here. Even, you know, if I do have to compliment a white person, Martin Sheen is very good in his, like, yes. Yeah. And and so, like, I, I think there is... What, in blue blazes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of good here, and it's worth checking out. And if you're listening to the show, trying to find movies to check out, I think you could do much worse than talk to me. I, it yeah. took me a little bit to find it, though, I will say. I, I, this one was not as easy as some of the other movies, which is crazy to me that it's a movie from 2007, but... Right. I also think the ending scene where he, where she would tell Ejafor gives like um, the eulogy. Eulogy, yeah. I was just like, powerful stuff. Like, I, yeah. And um, yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's a great movie. Okay. So that's our picks. Why don't we get into our fast forward? But before we do, why don't we do a little mixed reviews review? Sure. My one-star review was 2021's Space Jam A New Legacy. And my one-star review was 2008's Traitor. My five-star review was 2004's Hotel Rwanda. And my five-star review was 2007's Talk To Me. All right, let's get into that fast-forward. So we know he's on the Marvel train, and yeah, like... How do you say what you like? Do you like him... uh, Oh, as I, I love him as Rhodey. I actually think he's maybe better than Terrence Howard, but I do think, okay, and, and follow me down this road. Okay. He has been in 
the Marvel movies since 2010. 12 uh-huh. years. Uh-huh. That is 12 years. Um, he has played second fiddle in everything from an Iron Man movie to a Captain America movie to an Avengers movie. Like, he's now going to be in the Secret Invasion TV show, and they're finally giving his character a movie in Armor Wars. But, like, why? Like, what? And I get that, like, War Machine is not a huge character in the comic books, or, or, you know, it took War Machine a while to build that audience in the comic books that Iron Man has. But Iron Man was also not the world's most popular comic book character when they started making these movies. And it's one of those things that's frustrating. Like, we did an episode on Chris Hemsworth. Is Don Cheadle a better actor than Chris Hemsworth? Absolutely. Hello? Absolutely. Not even a question. Why would I even say that out loud? Because, but what is the thing that separates? Why like, so Why isn't Don Cheadle playing Thor? What is the... And yeah. like, I, th- I think... Uh, I'm trying to think, like, first of all, do we think Armor Wars is going to be a movie that's actually out in theaters? It is. It was going to be a TV show. And they and okay. Disney like saw the early scripts or whatever and bumped it to being a feature. So they have to like rewrite it. But but, but they they but did announce. It, but we think it's going to be a theatrical release, they, not a they Disney Plus it, it, movie. It, it, okay. Yeah, they did announce that it's going to be a theatrical. Okay, because like I, in my head, I'm like a little bit worried because I'm like, it's Armor Wars. It's not War Machine the movie. So like, right, is it right. going to be like? Is Don Cheadle going to have to fucking die at the end of this movie so that Ironheart or all these Iron Babies can like right. take up whatever? <laughs> I love the Iron Babies. <laughs> Unsung heroes of the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope not, obviously. I also, hope, he, right now, I hope, currently, Rhodey needs machines to use his legs, right? He's, yes. Yeah, he was injured in Civil and, War and whatever. And, yeah. Um I hope he's making so much money. I have no idea how much he's, money he's making. And I know they sign everybody to like a 12 movie contract or 15, right. movie, whatever, whatever absurd. But um, I I do hope he's making a ton of money doing these. And I hope what it does is it facilitates him to continue to do these other roles in movies. As we mentioned, White Noise comes out, you know, he it's, you know, this very famous Don DeLillo book, like. So it's Noah Baumbach, right? It's Noah Baumbach. It's like Noah Baumbach's first like venturing into adaptation. Um, I am not a Noah Baumbach fan, though I did. I liked Marriage Story, so maybe. Yeah, but, some people I, I of, of the reviews I've seen, some people are like either really into it or they're not. Yeah, like it's like, but I think that's all, all Noah Baumbach movies. It's kind of like you either into it or you're not. So um, whatever. But I, you know, I he is also I totally slipped my mind but he's also currently the narrator of the new wonder years on abc that's right yeah and and so like he has jobs and he's getting money and he's getting paid Uh, but you know part of me thinks that he is maybe more undervalued than he is actually valued and i think nothing could be more obvious than that than do you know how many times he's been nominated for an emmy a lot 11 Wow. Never won. Time. He's never won. And Stupid. the last time, the last Emmy nomination was for 59 seconds showing up in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Two scenes, one of which he doesn't speak. He even tweeted it out. I don't understand this nomination. It, was it like a supporting actor thing? It was for guest star. Oh. 
must have been a light year. Yeah, uh, and, but that's the thing. And part of me is like, listen, if if you think this man is, like, I don't think there's a hierarchy. I don't think there's a, a like it's their time sort of situation. But if you think this man is that talented, give him the fucking award or stop nominating him. Right. Because at a certain point, it becomes embarrassing. And like, why? Why isn't he winning them? Yeah. What what I think is like the problem perhaps is uh, my hot take is I think Don Cheadle is a hilarious actor. um, And he does... But people don't recognize him, like you know, all of his Black Monday stuff and all of the um, Veronica Mars show. What is it called? Ly- lying House of Lies, <laughs> lying liars that lie. Um, yeah. <laughs> th- you know, he got a bunch of noms, but never won because people are like, "Oh, we can't give Donald Cheadle a, a, right. an award for being funny." But unfortunately, but at the re- reverse of that, like the Rat Pack, the A Lesson Before Dying, these dramatic roles, like why aren't those getting the traction? But see, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't think, you know, his I, I'm less interested in those types of roles that he's doing where it's like very like and and that's the difference. Like I don't think like whereas uh Denzel is really like the drama girl, I think like Don Cheadle is like in that lane, but I think he is so much he's got way more like facets and layers to him and like superpowers that I just don't think people are like utilizing that well. You know, yeah, because even like, you know, Boogie Nights, where like he is like this fully fleshed, you know, rounded character and these dramatic things. It's like it's just like one note, you know, like just be like the thing, like, you know, and it's just so boring. Um, Even like in No Sudden Move, it's like it's one thing. Right. Um, right. I, I prefer him in these comedies like Black Monday. He gets to do. He, it's dramatic it's funny it's up and down it's it's it, really a showcase it's funny. for him I, I felt like him in no sudden move was like him it was like don Cheadle casting you mcgregor in miles ahead it was like <laughs> soderbergh was like you're trustworthy and a big enough name i can slide like i can get you in here and then we'll right. get some more you know you're right. the star power yeah, um, but I, I, that's all. I, even like with miles ahead, I'm like, oh, just doing like the one thing where it's like, I'm dramatic Don Cheadle, and it's just like kind of like, I, the guard. I think he's incredible in the guard. Like, and but again, he gets to do the up and down. You know, like I like when he's showing us the full colors of his rainbow. Absolutely. Are you looking forward to White Noise? Because as I said, I'm not a I'm not a Bombach fan, so I'm very tepid. I've seen I, the final scene, and the final <laughs> scene is a is apparently the thing to watch for. So like, oh okay. Um, I don't know what the movie is about. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a train accident that casts chemical waste over the town. Okay, great. It's like three different stories. It's a it's complicated. The book is very complicated. I um, feel like this is a movie that like you know. When I go home for Christmas or whatever, like this is a movie you put on with your mom, like because it's got people. I, I, I don't know. I think your mom's gonna be like, I don't like this, <laughs> but that might be me. It's very, it's very heady. I don't know. This is not. Oh, this is okay. certainly not. This is certainly not like when I put on Call Jane for my mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, last year me and my mom watched um, Don't Look Up. Um, oh, well, maybe which, I don't know. You know, which which was a movie that sucks, but. Again, like in the same, it's a Netflixy, yeah. starry, you know. No, so then it might movie. be. 
Yeah, and I'd actually be right up the alley then for all I know. (laughs) I just feel like my mom, a lot of moms perhaps, are like, ooh, you know, like that uh, Adam Driver guy from Star Wars and Don Cheadle. Like they have a movie together like on Netflix. That Greta Gerwig? I hear she's... I hear she's directing now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, um, I, I'll see. You know, like it's we've we've got a lot to watch for our wrap up, but you know, um, I I again, I am more interested in Don breaking out of these. Like, there's a little bit of like he's he's being typecast a little bit, you know? Yeah. And these like serious things, like the traitor types of it all, like, you know, crash of it all. It's just, you know, I prefer him a little bit more loosey goosey. I, uh, I, I would, you know, the, I feel like such a broken record every episode. I would love to see him on stage. I would love to see him do a play. Um, Imagine spe- if he ever came back. After coming doing that off Broadway top, I can't. And, and that's honestly, if you watch that documentary. You get to see clips of him doing it, and like he's very good. And honestly, like black theater right now is just so good. Um, I'm. Sure- you make it sound like a fad, but I I understand what no. you're saying. But like, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. There's there's never been a better time for like you know. There's so many shows on right now by black um um theater makers and yeah donnie girl we need you babe absolutely um yeah i just think he's so fucking talented i i I almost don't know a way to wrap this up because i just want to keep complimenting him but talented but also just like a good person yes you know cool like i and again i can't stress enough like i we don't think about him fast enough when you think about literally a-listers and holding their own at that level of talent you know yeah. holding their own against these like you know generic fucking names he absolutely deserves to have his name above the credits girly like it's uh, w- without a question you know we are forgetting even um uh captain planet <laughs> like oh like, the, yeah the funnier die shit yeah yeah, yeah. like again like uh, that is part- he doesn't take himself too seriously he is just so fucking funny um and yeah i i i i'm hopeful that he continues to make his own work and continues to find these small weird little things to do um because yeah unfortunately the marvel verse has kind of trapped him i don't think he has enough time to do that shit right now yeah but i'm hopeful after armor wars and i'm calling it now bitch he's he's not for long <laughs> you're like he's out Rody's done i um, I, am, I am calling it He's going to, but, but that'll be so like, what a fucking waste then what it, by making him do, because like, you know, like you said, he's doing the Robert Downey Jr. thing, but he's like, he's a better actor. He is better. Robert, like that's, the, he's just you know? as, he was just as charismatic. He's right. just as sexy. He has all of the things that Robert Downey Jr. has. Yeah. But also, like, and it is able to do character acting like Robert Downey Like they, they, they are, um, very like uh, uh, good mirrors of each other, but I think like can Robert Downey Jr. do Hotel Ramonda? No, no, that's the thing. Like, and he I, and he tried. He tried. He did the fucking the judge, which yeah. was a disaster. So like, yeah, yeah. And so I think like it, he has everything that he has and more. Like blows him out of the water as far as like acting goes. Um, and I hope that he gets 
the money and respect yeah and all the things um that come along with it absolutely well i think that wraps up don Cheadle. you know if you want to contact us about this episode or any of our previous episodes you can always find us on twitter at at the mixed reviews while it is still there and it remains unnazified not unnazified uh jesus christ it's sinking fast man we're also on facebook just type in the mixed reviews if you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us or any of our back catalog of episodes, you can find us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, Audible, you know, all the, all of the nonsense. Every every all little thing. Wherever and, your ear holes listen to things, we're there. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, stop by, leave us a five-star rating, and write us a little review, and we'll read it on the show. If you don't want to write a review, just leave us a five-star rating. We're okay with that. Yeah. Do do what you want with your body. Um, <laughs> you can find merch over at Redbubble. We're also on TikTok. Uh, join us on the Patreon. Lots Absolutely join us on the Patreon. Bonus. Bonus content. Uh, you can talk to us through the, uh, Discord. the Discord. Wow. Yeah. I'm fading <laughs> fast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and we will announce shortly. We'll have a little game night for the holidays. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Because we only have one episode left in the year. Um, it's going to be good. That's going to be a good one. Um, and then in the new year, we will do our uh, wrap-up of the year. So, girlies, I hope you enjoy the holiday season. We will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.